Welcome to the Lubar Executive Education Podcast. In this episode, we'll be talking about helping business owners and leaders understand digital marketing and automation so that they can regain the freedom and profits they went into business to discover. With me today is Michelle Nadelic. Michelle has over 20 years of experience in executive coaching, working with clients ranging from eight figures to solopreneurs, and is founder of Awareness Strategies, which helps entrepreneurs find millions of dollars worth of sales, increase profits, and decrease stress through automating marketing systems. Welcome, Michelle. It's wonderful to have you here with me today. Well, thank you for having me. I'm super excited. To get us started, can you share your perspective on the marketing challenges that businesses face, regardless as to their size, industry, or length of time in business? Absolutely. I think every business has basically three issues. One, finding prospects. <laughs> they need to know who that prospect is and where those prospects are hanging out. And that is a conundrum with every business. Second is having the right message for that client. We tend to market to ourselves and we need to market to our clients. And the third is having the right deliverables to convert them as clients. And sometimes it's video, sometimes it's a one-on-one call, in some cases, even a white paper or intake form. And it comes back to, again, knowing who your prospect is, your ideal client, and what kind of content that they're looking for. Do they want to create relationships with you or do they want the data? What are they looking for in order to be able to get that conversion going on? Absolutely. So while there's no shortage of ways to market a business, some leaders don't have that marketing expertise or maybe others don't have the resources or possibly both, how can marketing automation help in these instances? Well, it can help immensely in that when you have a computer that does something repeatedly, like we know this in the automation industry, for example, as soon as we started bringing computers in the automation system and made the automobiles more affordable, and it didn't mean that we had to necessarily not manage those systems, we still have to manage those systems, but the computer can do the exact same thing repeatedly multiple times at an efficiency that a human just can't possibly come close to. So when we have things like we're writing the same email over and over again, we find ourselves writing that email for the third time. It's like, okay, this can be automated. Taking that time to type it out versus a cut and paste versus having somebody else cut and paste can decrease a lot of the time spent on erroneous tasks, especially for the CEO. And to be able to know when it's appropriate to have a computer taking that position and doing that thing over and over again, like sending out an email versus having another person who you can pay at a lesser rate than you could potentially make doing your thing, paying them to be creative and be resourceful and doing all the things that humans do awesomely well. It's being able to understand the difference that those two roles take. And more often than not, automation can help somebody to increase their productivity faster than just hiring a VA to come in and and do those things for them. As somebody who's wired for efficiency and wants to do everything once if I can and automate wherever possible, I I think that's great advice. Our audience ranges from solo entrepreneurs all the way up to executives in large multinational organizations and pretty much everything in between. So building on what you're already mentioning here, when would it be a good idea to look into automation and when might it not be the best approach? So we find that with certain solopreneurs, it doesn't make sense to put a lot of effort and time into automation because either they're at the stage of their business where they're still kind of trying to figure out what's working. I have this great idea and I want to bring it to the market, but I don't know who's going to buy it or really if anybody's going to buy it. So in that startup stage of business, there tends to be a lot of, I'm going to throw things at the wall and see what sticks. And that requires that creative 
process of let's try it and see if it works. And that is essential in the business because if you have a new product or service and you're bringing it to an audience that maybe hasn't had it before, you don't really know. It, it really is a guessing game. You don't know what's going to stick with them and you don't know whether or not that's really your audience or not. Somebody might come up with a product and think, oh, this would be perfect for stay-at-home moms. And meanwhile, it's 15-year-old girls that are buying it like crazy. And you're like, well, okay, different market, <laughs> different conversation. <laughs> I'm not going to say no, but we got to change the marketing for the lingo and for the language for all of those things, which is great that they bought it in the first place, despite the quote-unquote mismarketing of that. But when you start to kind of hone in on who they are, you start to realize what's going on. So it can happen in those stages. You don't really want to automate a system that is sending the wrong message to the wrong people and not figuring that out. So it's super important in those early stages. Also, if somebody's like a coach or a consultant, oftentimes they can have a solid business just by using their phone and a merchant account. Because really all it is like, hey, Mike, you want my help? Great. What's your credit card number? <laughs> awesome. Let's see you Tuesday. <laughs> it can be that easy. And in business, when we can make it easier, that's what it's all about. We as human beings love to make things more complicated than they are, but business loves to be simplified and it works more effectively when it's simplified. So if that's what you want to do, do it. If on the other hand, you're a special kind of crazy like me and you're going, hey, I want to have 50 employees. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> you like complicating your life then you need to understand where that automation comes in. And that can be everything from your prospecting with people, the conversion of those leads, the documentation of those leads, the fulfillment of those leads, the uh, writing of contracts, fulfillment, all of that potentially can be automated. And it's just a matter of looking at when does that become kind of most resourceful and how do we do it in a way that is most beneficial for your ideal client's ideal journey. So it's not about slapping automation into a system because you're bored or you don't want to be inefficient. It's about looking at that client's ideal journey and seeing where they want those efficiencies in place. Because oftentimes they're not really asking for your one-on-one -on -one time, your creativity. They really just want to get something done now. And that's when you want to start using that approach. I really like the focus on the clients there and what they need or your prospective clients, I should say, and, and also being maybe a little more selective on which areas you want to automate, uh, especially if you don't have a, a huge budget or a big team. What would you say to people who have maybe some hesitation around automating some of their marketing because they have maybe a high touch model and they think that this feels a little bit impersonal? I would say, I love you. You are ideal clients because it isn't just about that transaction about getting the money. It can be, and we've all seen it done and it feels yucky. Nobody likes it. Really just comes down to like, let's think about this for half a second. And how do you want to be approached? All of us have had a telecom experience where you get on hold and you're like, oh, our menu has changed. It's like, no, it hasn't. It hasn't changed in two years. I know it hasn't. And why do I have to go through this? I just want to talk to an agent. So we all know what that feels like. We all can't stand it. And and, and it's really easy to be able to just kind of switch perspectives and go, okay, if I were calling in, what do I want? Who is calling in? What kind of issues are they getting? So for example, on a Facebook page, you have the automation there of somebody messages you and says, hey, got a question for you. Don't slam them with, hey, our hours of operation are this, because they haven't asked you that yet. But if they say, hey, got a question for you, you're like, hey, thanks for reaching out. How can we help you? It doesn't matter if they've already asked, hey, what are your hours of operation? Thanks for reaching out. How can we help you? They're going to say, I want your hours of operation. 
there's a different level of understanding that if I go to your website at three in the morning, I'm probably not going to end up with a person. And if I am ending up with a person, it's probably going to be a call center. And I'm okay with that. I just want to know what your hours of operation are. Oh, great. Here's our hours of operation. Awesome. And now I can book an appointment to call you during your hours of operation. So that kind of systems and things that you want to have in place, it's just a matter of looking at them of how do you want to do it? A lot of people, when they set up their email campaigns are talking to their whole audience. It's like, Hey, you guys, this is what's going on. I don't know about you, but I've never sat down on my computer with somebody else and read an email together. You're writing your email to me and you want to have that avatar, that ideal client in mind when you're writing that email to me. So when you say, Hey, Michelle, it's me. And I am going to take it as, Hey, if you know anybody who has done this before, I'd really appreciate your input on it. So it's a personal email to me. And all that is, you can still send 10,000 of them out, but I read it as that emails to me. And now it has a level of importance to me while I'm reading it, which is also hugely important. So I don't think it's a matter of automation becomes impersonal. I think it's a lack of time and tension and focus on what you're setting out there that becomes impersonal. There's certain things we love to have that are impersonal. Like if my credit card doesn't go through during your monthly charge, I have a person go, hey, credit card bounce. I just want an email going out going, hey, credit card didn't go through. Did you want to change your card? And then I can go in, click on it and say, oh yeah, I use this card instead. Or yeah, change the expiry date. It's all good. I can do that without having a conversation with somebody and nobody wants to have that conversation with me either. So things like that, that you can automate that nobody really wants that personal interaction anyways, those are absolutely fine to automate. And those are probably the first things you want to automate because then you'll get used to that conversation. What types of costs and lead times are needed to implement some of the marketing automation that, uh, that you work with? It totally depends. It can be as easy as, for example, we have a free gift that we love to give our clients on a website audit. So you put your website in, it pops out this 30, 40 page report, depending on the size of your website, and it'll tell you what all your broken links are and all that kind of fun jazz. You go in and change all your broken links in the back, especially if it's your contact us links or your, you know, go to book an appointment with me, but there's no appointments available. You go and change those right away and boom, you can start booking appointments and getting leads like within the hour, right? It's, it's not that difficult, but it's again, time and attention on things that you wouldn't have noticed otherwise. When you're looking at things like SEO and putting in kind of a, a long-term play, it takes time for Google to be able to send out their spiders and search that page and for people to come in. And how often do you send people to your website? Some websites have, you know, 100,000 visitors a month. That's awesome. But a lot of them have like six real people. The rest are all spiders. And that's okay too. But when those six people come, <laughs> you know, you want to be able to make sure that you have the right messaging there, that you have the, the links are working, that you have time on your schedule, all of that fun stuff, that your SSL is up to date. So Google actually lets them see that page. So it can be instantaneous and it can be a six month to a year process. We have one client, he's an electrician, does residential and commercial and commercial electric jobs obviously take a while, right? You got to go through the permits. You got to go through the, all that stuff, but you still have people that are looking at, okay, who's, who are we going to look at for the plumbing? Who are we going to look at for the electrical? Who are we? And they're in process three, six months ahead of time before you even get to the point of, Hey, can you put through an offer on this job? So 
all of those things, the moment that that person that was in charge of it sees that ad, sees your website, sees those things, start looking at them, starts downloading them, starts collecting a pile of paper that they can do their reports on. It could be six months to a year before they come through and you've gone, oh, I give up. This doesn't work. And all of a sudden the phone starts ringing, the emails start coming in. You're like, and it worked. It just, it worked back then when they needed it. And now they're ready to move on. That's uh, a great example, especially when you have uh, a sales cycle that's going to take uh, months, uh, if not uh, longer. So if somebody is interested in marketing automation, what do you recommend they do first? And how can they also keep their expectations in check? Well, we love it when they call us. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that, 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 that I would always say is the first one. But it really is about looking at companies that do that for a living. So what a lot of people will do is they'll go and Google it and they'll just go and try and figure out, you know, what software does what. And unless you do that full time, like if you're a total techie geek and that's your happy space, awesome. But if you look at comparison models for software and you get a brain aneurysm, probably not the best use of your time. So you want to go to somebody that does that for a living and you can find three or four of them and interview them. But you really want to start asking people that actually know the differences between the software as opposed to people that sell the software. Because somebody that sells the software is going to have a very different opinion and a bias and, oh, yeah, it'll totally do that. You know, it doesn't do it right now, but it'll totally do that in six months. It's like, no, you don't want to put your business on hold because they don't have their stuff in place yet. That's great that they're building their models out. But if you need it to happen now, you need it to happen now. And you don't want to be making decisions based on somebody else's wherewithal ever. So being able to kind of get a hold of people that do that for a living, they know the comparisons, they're going, what do you want to do? What's the end game? Because if you're basing your business strategy on something like affiliate marketing, you want to know that your CRM does affiliate marketing. And if it doesn't, <laughs> it's, it's not even worth looking at. It can make you coffee in the morning and that's awesome. But if it doesn't do affiliate marketing, that's, it's not going to fulfill your purpose. And by the way, there's a lot of coffee makers that have automation in them. So you're okay on that side. You really want to start looking at your business as that business entity. What is my strategy? Where do I want to go? How do I want to get there? And then what fits in to make that as easy and effortless as possible? Yeah, you definitely got to do your homework and your research and find somebody that you trust who is also going to listen to you, which is, I guess, where the trust is going to get built, right? And, and you may not know anybody. So you may not trust anybody. And it may be one of those times where I don't know if anybody actually does this. You go to the yellow pages and start looking up contractors for them. But there, usually there isn't a, a contractor or a, an agency that won't answer your questions. Just want to be able to wrap my head around this. What do I really need to be able to do it? And for example, a lot of companies will say, well, you need to have your CRM. You need an email campaign. And they start rattling off all this stuff that you're going to need. With us and our clients, you need a website and you need a CRM that does everything that you need it to do, which sounds overly simplified, but the systems are actually out there. So being able to find the, the right software that integrate, and especially if you are currently finding that you're doing a lot of manual things. So for example, a lot of companies will have their social media and then they have to manually put it into their CRM. Once they have a salesperson, they have to manually enter it into the sales system that they have. Once the client buys, they have to manually enter that into the accounting system that they have. And this can be a simple one-person company. You know, I just put out Facebook or Facebook posts, people come to me, but I still have to manually move all this data. 
And that's a complete waste of time when there's software that can take somebody's name and email from when they opt into something into the sales process. So when you do the follow-up call with them, you know what their name and email is, you know how to get a hold of them if they don't show up for the meeting. And when they buy something, it automatically goes into your QuickBooks and life is grand. So all of that can be sped up. And if you have a huge company with a legal department, a marketing department is the exact same problem, but bigger. So it becomes that much more important to be able to figure out what those systems are that can handle that data transfer. So once you have some automation in place, what's a reasonable time frame to tell if it's actually working and making a difference and a positive impact? And how long can it run feasibly without having to do a whole lot with it or you know, reinvent it? Yeah, well, as I said, it can happen absolutely immediately. We had a client that started from absolute zero. She had no list. She has no social media list. She was starting a business from brand new. And she said, well, I don't, I could do the tech, but I don't want to do the tech, which is always a very smart answer in business. She goes, I want to do my sales course. I want to, this is my audience. I want to create this for them. Oh, and by the way, I want to do this three-day course in two months. We're like, okay, we've got some work to do. So we hustled up, got her done. A lot of people, because they're not working with a the team, they don't understand the chronological order of what needs to happen. Because when you're doing a three-day event, and it could be anybody doing a three-day event, so it could be, you know, you're a Ford Motor Company, but you're going to have this three-day event where you're showcasing your new things, right? Every company can have a three-day event that they do. And it has to start with your affiliates. So who's going to be promoting this? They need to get the information in their hands first. Before it goes on your website, your website's not a concern. They need that information because they need to set it up in their systems and they have to make sure that it's all running smoothly. So we call that swipe copy to our affiliates. We got to make sure that's done ahead of time. Then we start working on our promotions and our promotions will usually go right now about two weeks ahead of time, unless it's a live in-person event, in which case people obviously need time to travel and plan those things. But it's usually about two months out as opposed to the past where they used to need six months to plan things. People are tending to make decisions faster. I'll go, I won't go. And here's what I need to get set up. So right now, and this could change tomorrow, so don't quote me on it. Three months ahead of time, we want to make sure that our affiliates have their swipe copy. Then we want to make sure we send out our promotion copy. Um, as people are registering, they get their confirmations. And then as the event approaches, we want to make sure that they get their reminders. Now, a lot of this can happen through emails. It tends to be more trendy right now to send out SMS texts. Of course, you'll just ask them, what do you prefer? for email reminders or text reminders. If you want text, give us your cell phone. And people will do it for that reason, especially if they want to go to that event. And then having the event. So in this case, her first event, she had she made $40,000 in sales at that event, which is awesome for a, a startup coach with absolutely no <laughs> backups, resources, or otherwise. Within a year, she did a $100,000 event. So it's it's not about... Here's the cloth and everybody fits in this way. In this way, we're going to cut it out. It's what do you have going on? We need to have a strategy session with you to find out who your ideal client is, how you get a hold of them, what kind of ways do you need to entice them in order to convert them? Again, it could be a three-day event. It might just be a webinar. It might just be an intake form. Like totally depends on your ideal client and how they interact with you. And then we want to make sure that we set up the systems and then get it out and promote it. And how do we promote it to whom? 
all that kind of fun stuff. If your audience isn't on Facebook, then we don't go on Facebook. If they're on LinkedIn, we go on LinkedIn. Hope to God that they're not on TikTok, but you know, if they are, <laughs> to go there. That's a whole other problem. Oh, right? <laughs> uh, thanks for that advice and breaking it down into the different segments and different stakeholders that we have to think about. Before we bring this episode to a close, what uh, additional or final advice or suggestions do you have that you'd want to share with our audience? What I'd like to share with the audience is business. Again, we can make it super complicated and it doesn't have to be. Business is business. And if you're looking at kind of creating a, a business that is effective and efficient, there's certain elements of it that you want to look at. And oftentimes as the owner, we get super emotionally involved with it. So it really helps to have a coach in place that can help you look at your business objectively, somebody that you have uh, the ability to bounce ideas off of, or a expert outsourcing company that can bring in their expertise because they have 20, 30 years experience of it. And especially now after COVID, you can get access to a lot of high-end thinkers for a minimal amount. Basically, you're getting me as a CMO and you're getting my partner, Brad, as the CIO to be able to look at your business, strategize your marketing, understand your tech, give you advice and ideas. And depending on how you want to work with us, you can then take that I, those ideas and take them to your team and go and implement them. Or you can look at working with us. But it gives you a huge amount of flexibility that you wouldn't have had otherwise. And I just want really want people to understand that there's always 360 degrees of options because we tend to kind of focus on this one thing that we're used to doing it in this one way. And as soon as the market goes sideways, we're like, it's my fault. It's, this is never going to work. And it's not true. Sometimes it's just going in and tweaking things from an objective point of view, and we can help to make things work. I think it's especially paramount at this point in time and kind of the atmosphere that we're going to be going into. And keep in mind, we've always been in ups and downs. Oh, I live in Calgary, Alberta. We have had booms and busts every 10 years for the last 50 that I remember. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there was another 50 before me. So, you know, whatever's going on in the market, don't get caught up in it. Be creative, be the awesome human that you are and start throwing stuff up against the wall and uh, ideas will fly and your creativity will flow. Michelle, thank you so much for taking time today to be on the show and sharing your expertise and some things that we should all be thinking about as leaders when it comes to uh, taking care of our customers, listening to them and, and marketing to them. If people are interested in learning more from you, where can we point them to? We would love to have them go to awarenessstrategies.com. As I mentioned before, we do have a free website audit there for you. It is slash website dash audit. I'm sure that'll be in the show notes. If it's not, just go and cruise around the homepage. We've got a ton of fun uh, assessments and surveys and things that you can do depending on where you think your challenges are in your business right now. Fabulous. And I will definitely add those resources into the show notes for everybody. In closing, I'd like to take a moment and thank our listeners. We wish you the best of luck as you move forward on your leadership journey. Please check back regularly for additional episodes.